Do you want to know more about the environment? Keen to make a change but not sure where to start? Tired of reading three articles that all give you different answers to the same questions? I send these podcasts out as an offering to you. Hello you, welcome to the very first episode of What on Earth. I'm your host, Sarah Dival, and I want to find out what's really going on with the environment and what we can do about it. Will listening help you solve climate change? Probably not, but it might just give you the tools that you need to talk to other people about what you've learned, change minds and make changes in your life that will protect the planet and the people around you. This podcast could literally change your life. At the time of recording this, it's the middle of summer, but we've still decided to take some inspiration from a Christmas carol. So we're going to take you through the past, present and future of all the topics we discussed so you get a full picture of what's going on. For our first episode, we're looking at air pollution. It's a topic that's had a lot of coverage in the news and the media, but a lot of that information is confusing, overly sciencey, and it can be difficult to know how it's affecting us. So today I want to break down the different types of air pollution that affect all of us and find out what we can do about it. In this episode, we'll be taking a trip back to the great horse manure crisis of 1984, meeting the lawyers who are suing the government over an action on air pollution in London, So you sued the government, essentially? Yes. And finding out what we can do to prevent our exposure to air pollution. Get vocal about it. Talk to your friends. So, the trouble for me with air pollution is it is, for the most part, completely invisible. If we were talking about um, polluted water and you could see that the water coming out of your tap was dirty, like really grim and brown with those bits floating in it and a weird metallic smell that's a bit like when you go on holiday and you forget to take your bins out, you would probably be straight on the phone to the council yelling at somebody really mad that the people in charge had let things get this bad. And that's because problems are easier to solve when you can actually see them. But at the moment, we can't see air pollution. We get the occasional smog, but other than that, they're kind of ghosty and visible. This wasn't always the case. Over a hundred years ago, another, more visible pollutant was plaguing the streets of London and the cities around the world. Imagine, we're in London in the late 1800s. There are 50,000 horses transporting people around on their daily commutes. And on top of that, a ton of delivery horses moving goods around in what was then the largest city in the world. It was gross, it was smelly. Each of those horses produced 35 pounds of poo a day, which attracted loads of flies, which then spread typhoid and loads of other diseases. Just like the modern day air pollution crisis, it was making people sick in a way that people didn't really understand. It was dubbed, believe it or not, the Great Horse Manure Crisis of 1894. The Times predicted that in 50 years, every street in London would be buried under nine feet of manure. Nine feet of manure. The average height of a man then was about 5'5", so a very scary prospect indeed. It was the first global urban crisis of its kind that cities faced, and policymakers tried and failed to find a solution that would protect people who lived there and keep the city moving. The reason being is that no one could imagine a city that would be able to keep moving without horses. The crisis ended quite miraculously when affordable cars were invented, with people not realising they were contributing to another, much bigger global crisis. 
I think that sometimes it feels a little bit like when you're dealing with the environment that you deal with one problem and then another one crops up and it's a constant struggle to try and do the right thing. And it's because when something new is invented, we're trying it for the very first time. It's a bit like all of those weird ancient fables where people ask a genie for something or a god for something, but it turns out that they didn't quite ask for the right thing. So everything that they touch actually turns to gold. You get immortality, but not eternal youth. Or you wish all that horse poo would just go away and you end up causing a potentially catastrophic global warming through car fumes. It can all seem a little bit overwhelming. But never fear, the best thing that we can do is educate ourselves, get clued up and then take action. So first up, what is the problem with air pollution anyway? We spoke to Andrea from Client Earth, who has sued the government three times over inaction on air pollution. My name is Andrea Lee. I'm the campaigns and policy manager for the Clean Air team at Client Earth. Client Earth is an environmental law charity and what we try and do is use the law to protect the health of people and the planet. So why did you decide to get involved in air pollution at Client Earth? Air pollution is just a really easy way to demonstrate how the health of people and the planet are tied together. I think it's very easy for people to see air pollution as an environmental problem. You know, it's about emissions and gases and things like that. Uh, And obviously it does also impact on things like ecosystems, but it has a very clear impact on the health of people. So it shows how it is important to have a healthy environment in order for people to be able to have healthy and enjoyable lives. Back in 2010, the UK government should have met legal limits of air pollution and unfortunately it didn't. So it had a long, long time to try and meet these uh, limits of air pollution under an EU directive called the Ambient Air Quality Directive. It had agreed to do so. There was also conditions on when you don't manage to meet these limits of what you had to do. So once in 2010 it became obvious that the UK hadn't met these, there were a number of steps that the UK government should have taken and it wasn't unfortunately. So we started engaging on the issue to say, you know, you should be looking to address the problem by setting up plans that show how you are going to meet legal limits in the shortest time as possible. And so unfortunately it got to the point where because of their lack of willingness to act according to the law, we had to take them to court. So you sued the government essentially? Yes. How do you go about (laughs) suing the government? So you, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't explain all the ins and outs, but uh, I've been working with lawyers for a long time now. It revolves around writing a lot of letters. So there's a lot of letters that you have to write to make sure, you know, pre-action letters to say, you know, well, these are the issues that we think that you have. Would you please assure us that you are going to be dealing with it? And if we're not satisfied, you start then applying to go to court. So we got permission to go to court back in 2011, went to the High Court. And unfortunately, the High Court didn't think that there was a role for it to to, uh, in, in deciding whether the government was doing anything illegal or not. We appealed this, went to the Court of Appeal, and the Court of Appeal also wasn't very sure. So we then uh, had to take it through to the UK Supreme Court, who actually did agree with us that the UK government was not acting according to the law, but just had a few issues that it wanted clarifying. So it sent it back to the European Court of Justice. Uh, European Court of Justice answered those questions. And then finally... 2015, just weeks before the general election in 2015, the UK Supreme Court ruled in our favour, said that the UK government was breaking the law and ordered it to come up with plans by the end of that year that would show how the UK was going to meet these legal limits in the shortest time as possible. And what would you like to see in an ideal world? How are we tackling air pollution on a government level? So we know that the main, one of the main sources of air pollution in, in towns and cities um, uh, is, is coming from road transport. So urgently, what we want to see is action to take these 
um, polluting vehicles out of our towns and cities. So should we be taking diesel cars off the road completely? So I think eventually yes, but we should also be taking petrol cars off the road uh, because of things like climate change. Um, but, um, you know, we don't advocate a clear out ban right now. What we we want technology is that there's different technology needed for different types of driving. If you're mainly driving in a town, then the advice was always that you should be looking at maybe a petrol. Obviously, nowadays, ideally, you'd be looking at an electric vehicle if you can afford it. And diesel, where diesel comes into play is for long distance travel. So if you're like traveling a lot on motorways and, and that's where the fuel efficiency can kick in. And obviously, the issue with air pollution is that it matters where you pollute. So if you're polluting, I mean, obviously, ideally you don't pollute at all, but it's it's obviously worse when you're at the source is closer to where people are. And so that's why diesels in, in urban areas aren't great. So we we advocate getting rid of the most polluting vehicles from the towns and cities. But, you know, obviously there's still a role for, for diesel, especially for things like lorries and things like that. And, and in fact, actually, we're in this really weird situation where because the regulations are different for things like lorries and cars, you've got the, the newest lorries are actually per mile cleaner than the average new diesel car so it just shows you how bizarre it all is so you know you've got a big old vehicle that per mile would be polluting a lot less than a smaller car and that's why you know it is really important to 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 really think about how we can get diesel cars but also you know petrol cars aren't clean I wouldn't like breathe in the exhaust from a petrol car either uh, but um, getting those out and, and really trying to move towards zero emission transport system. That was Andrea from Kind Earth, a wonderful human doing wonderful things. So looking at the pollution crisis that we're facing now, I wanted to find out what types of pollution are causing us trouble and what the biggest impacts on our health are. I'm here with Ray, who's been running a project with Hubbub called The Air We Share. Can you tell us a little bit more about what air pollution actually is? The problem with air pollution is that it's invisible. Um, You can't see it, you can't smell it. It is this thing that's traveling around the world, but it's just really impossible to picture it because we can't see it. So what are the different kinds of air pollution? There's lots of different types of pollutants, but the two main pollutants that are cause for concern are fine particles. So this is PM 2.5 and PM 10, and the number refers to the diameter of the particles. So PM 10 is about 10 micrometers, so this is really teeny, 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 tiny stuff. PM 2.5 is 3% the size of human hair, so it's really, really, really small. And these particles are getting in and around our organs and moving around our body and causing a whole number of human health effects, um, such as respiratory problems, cardiovascular problems, um, affecting us in our mental health, things like obesity, miscarriage, a whole number of different unpleasant illnesses, really. And then the other um, main type of pollutant um, that's cause for concern is nitrogen dioxide. And this also, like um, fine particles, comes from road traffic and also from gas boilers. So most of this stuff is coming from traffic, but are there any cars that are worse than others? Diesel cars are particularly bad. So in London, for example, 40% of pollution comes from diesel vehicles. Um, So yeah, we need to have like a diesel scrappage scheme, get rid of the diesel vehicles on the roads, opt for petrol if you can, and ideally electric vehicles, or just walk, cycle, run, 
scooter, whatever you like. You can scoot down the road and look really cool. Scoot to work. (laughs) So that leads me nicely on to the next question, which is what should we be doing to try and reduce our own air pollution more generally? Yeah, so air pollution is twofold. There's a number of things you can do to reduce your exposure. So for example, you can take back routes. If you take a back route, you can actually reduce your exposure by up to 50%. So in the study that we did, um, where we monitored 10 different Londoners exposure to air pollution, Darmika, one of the participants who works in central London, um, takes the same route to work every single day. And when she took a back route, she reduced her exposure by up to 30%. So it's real, real big, big difference. That's well good. And there's also cutting your emissions. So if you currently drive, why not try opting for walking and cycling where you can? And things like... Um, I'm guilty of it as well, but like ordering things online, I think there's this huge disconnect between clicking a button on the internet, ordering your favorite new top. How's that getting to my house? It is actually coming on the road and that is creating pollution. So if you can try and buy things in person or just try and buy less, (laughs) um, but go out and buy it in in person and go and speak to the people in the shop. Let's move away from ordering so many things online because that's creating huge problems for pollution. I love that you just slipped a fast fashion message into your air pollution tour. Oh yeah. You're just, everything is connected. (laughs) It's all connected. Um, Speaking of connectivity. So I found, I read something the other day which was talking about microfibers and we launched a microfiber campaign last year and people associate microfibers as coming from clothing so from synthetic clothing like nylon viscous things like that but in a recent study it was found that in arctic ice there was actually particles from rubber tires no way so pm the fine particles can come from a whole number of different things including tire and brake wear and that's been found as far as the arctic so it is seriously scary that's really let's stop driving (laughs) what does a city look like without air pollution how are we all getting around so Ideally, if you can walk, cycle, run, um, those are really great active forms of travel. And as well as being better for the environment, they're also much better for your physical health and your mental health. So there was a study done by Imperial last year, which looked at the health of cyclists. And they're actually some of the healthiest groups in society. They had reported better physical health and mental health, but also fewer feelings of loneliness and stress because you're riding as a collective group of people. Similarly with walking and running, if you drive sometimes you can feel a bit lonely um, and feel a bit isolated and also if you're doing active travel that increases things like um, your happiness so you can save the planet get fit and get good mental health all in one swoop exactly and it's also just a lot cheaper like the tube is so much money um really really adds up when i take the tube to work and when i try and walk and cycle i'm just generally much happier and i think Sometimes when you're walking as a female, I sometimes feel a bit unsafe, but I think if you can try and walk with a pal, like after a night out it might be tempting to get a taxi home but if you can just try and go together to stay, stay at a pal's house um, <laughs> just keep safe keep safe I love that um, and where are we most exposed to air pollution if we live in a city particularly where is it going to get us so it's going to get us on the busy roads so as you mentioned earlier like if you can take back streets you'll greatly reduce your exposure but also in vehicles so if you're driving you're actually most exposed to air pollution which is quite interesting because I think a lot of people think that walking and cycling you're most exposed to air pollution but um, in the study that we did the professional driver was most exposed he was actually doubly 
expose the other participants. And is that because you're kind of sat in a row of traffic, so you're just breathing in exhaust You're sitting fumes? in just a really horrible vacuum of fumes where the air is just circulating around your vehicle. And I think some cars are better than others in terms of filtering that air out. But on the whole, it's just not that good for you, really. That's really grim. So you're polluting and you're being polluted. It's like a double whammy of horror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what are the government doing at the moment to try and clean up our air? I know there's loads of stuff going on. So currently, um, where we live in London, the mayor, Sadiq Khan, has brought in a whole number of initiatives recently. So there's the new ultra-low emission zone, which you might hear people referring to as the ULEDs, and that's a zone within central London where the most polluting vehicles are being charged around £12 um, to come into central London. So this will hopefully divert those polluting vehicles from, from coming into the city and also encourage more electric vehicles. And if you're feeling daunted by all the information in this episode, don't be. There's a million things that you and your family can do that will combat the effects of air pollution. We're going to go back to Ray quickly to get her top tips. So my top tips for um, reducing air pollution are if you are able to walk and cycle, if you have to drive because either you're a professional driver or there's not um, great public transport where you live, try not to idle. So idling is this bad, bad thing where you leave your engine running. Boo, don't do that. Um, And maybe if you can, try and opt for an electric vehicle and then get vocal about it. Talk to your friends, uh, write to your local MP, join a group there's loads of parents groups if you've got children or join friends of the earth just get speaking to your pals about air pollution the same way you would about anything else thank you so much for listening to what on earth i'm sarah dival and you can check us out on hubbub.org.uk or on twitter at hubbub uk or on instagram at hello hubbub or if you can't wait till next week i've got a youtube channel as well we're everywhere next week we're going to be talking all about sustainable eating so it's not one to miss don't forget to subscribe leave us a review and recommend me to your dad i'll see you next week i'm sarah dival and this is a hubbub production not it properly I'm Sarah Dival and this is a Hubbub production.